Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Uh, We're going to start into God's Word in Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, verse 45. Uh, The context for this is that Jesus has just finished uh, the greatest buffet that ever happened. He turned uh, the five fishes and three loaves into feeding 5,000 people. So he just completed this, and he just completed feeding all these people. Uh, Everybody has full stomachs, and then right after this is where we pick up in uh, verse 45. And it says this, uh, immediately, everybody say immediately. Man, who's thankful we serve a God of immediately? That we don't serve a God of maybe one day or on, I don't know when, but we serve a God that can happen and make a change take place immediately. There's been times where I've been stressed out of my mind, but I stepped into God's presence and immediately I felt peace. There's been times I'm sure we can all relate where we couldn't do it on our own. God's plan for our life immediately something changed. We serve a God of immediately. He said, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across, everybody say across, and head across the lake to Bethsaida. While he sent the people home, after telling everybody goodbye, imagine Jesus being like, okay, I love you, but get away from me. Imagine, you know, I I just fed you all, okay, just go home. He told everybody goodbye. And then he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle. Everybody say middle. In the middle of the lake. And Jesus was alone on land. He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on the water. And he intended to go past them. But when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost. They were all terrified. Everybody say terrified. They were all terrified when they saw him. But Jesus spoke to them at once. He said, don't be afraid. Take courage, for I am here. And that can be the whole message for tonight. I don't know what you're going through. Don't be afraid. Take courage. Because Jesus is here. Amen. He said, for I am here. Then he climbed into the boat, and the wind stopped, and they were totally amazed. Uh, Right now, usually in our Wednesday nights, we call them deeper services because we go into deeper on what was spoke on Sunday. But I was talking to Pastor Bobby uh, earlier. I was like, well, we just finished First Fruits. And now we're about to start the new semester on Sunday. We're kind of in between right now, right? It's hard to go deeper into somewhere in between. And so you know what? That's going to be the message for tonight. This is the message. In between, but not incomplete. In between, but not incomplete. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in this house tonight. We thank you, God, for uh, leading and directing this moment. That, God, we just pray that your Holy Spirit takes over. Right now, remove every distraction, every stronghold, any type of stress. God, we remove that right now in the name of Jesus, and we call for clarity of mind. We thank you, God, that we have soft hearts ready to receive, God, good ground tonight. 
God, let us be good ground tonight, ready to receive, God, what you have for us. And God, this, we're going to give you all the glory, and we are here, Father, this to grow closer to you tonight. We love you, Jesus. And everybody says, amen, amen. Give Jesus a hand clap of praise, and y'all can be seated, y'all can be seated. I have uh, mentioned this story from Platform before, um, but it's been about a year and a half, so some of you might rem remember it, some might, but it's a good story. When I was about 16, uh, I took my friend with my parents who are in the building tonight, and we went to uh, Corpus Christi, and we went to the, to the National uh, Seashore. And if, uh, if you've ever been over there, there's South Padre, right, where everybody goes. And then there's what's actually called North Padre, and that's closer to Corpus Christi. And so me and my friend, we're about 16 years old. We go on this trip. We're going to go fishing. We're going to go kayaking. And uh, we um, get our kayaks. Now, these kayaks were made for at best. Like, I mean at best. They were made for ponds. Like, at best. Maybe a lake. Maybe a lake. Maybe a lake on a calm day, but they were not made for the ocean. But we didn't care. We wanted to grab these kayaks, and we we're going to go kayaking. And so me and my friend, we're just going around. We're kayaking, and we're fishing. And often in the, in the distance, we see a little island. It's probably like a, you know, three-quarters of a mile away. We see this island, and we see, you know, it's far enough for us to kind of make out some buildings on the island, um, but it's not close enough for us to see all the details. And so we look out on this island, and it looks like there's some beach houses on this island. Uh, it looked like and there was, like, boats going around it, and there was uh, a bunch of, like, uh, birds, and we saw everything over there. And I looked at my friend, and we both had the same idea, the same thought. We're like, that's where the party's at. That's where everybody's at on this cool island uh, off the shore. And so uh, we got the kayaks. And to this day, I still think and remember that I asked my parents that if we could go to this island. They said I didn't. Maybe at that age, I just heard what I wanted to hear. Uh, but uh, we got in those kayaks, and we headed off to that island about three-quarters of a mile away. And we're excited to get there. We're, we're paddling over there, and we have the wind at our backs. And so it took us about 15 minutes to get to this island, kayaking over there. And we get to this island, and then we figured out why this island was known as Bird Island. Because this island had, we showed up, and the buildings that we thought were ni nice beach houses turned out to be run-down dumps, there were birds everywhere. There was bird poop flying everywhere. We're rocking on this, and it was, it was smelly. It was a stinky island. There was definitely not a party going on on that island, not the party we wanted to be a part of, for sure. And we just saw on this island, it was a bus. I remember telling my, my friend, I was like, well, we got to get off this island, man. I guess it was, it was a terrible, uh, terrible, it, it smelled. It was like, we got to go back. And so we get back in our kayaks, and we start heading for shore. Uh, but this time, we're going against the wind. And that day, and remember, we're in these little kayaks that were made for ponds. Okay, they were made basically for, you know, you're going to float and, and be able to go through calm waters, right? But we start heading to shore. And at that time, the winds, when we got there, we found out they were going about 30, 35 miles per hour. And so we're making our way back towards the shore, but we learned very quickly that as we were paddling, 
we're making little to no ground at all. We began paddling. I remember, like, we're paddling, like, you know, and we're talking, like, on the kayak. We're paddling, you know, with my bro. And it's been about five minutes. Like, man, we're not getting any closer to the shore. I remember us looking back, and we're, like, 20 feet from the island. Like, what's going on? And at, and in, and at first, we're kind of like, oh, this is, this is fine, you know. We'll, we'll eventually get there. But after about 30 minutes of us nonstop paddling, we're barely making any ground to uh, the shore. And anytime we wanted to stop and, and take a break, because there are times where, like, hey, I, like, my arms would get tired and we would stop, we would lose about 10 minutes of ground from the wind. And so we couldn't stop. And I remember it was, it was fun for about the first five to 10 minutes, but 30 minutes later, me and my friend, we're like yelling, we're like grunting, and we're like, we like think like this is how it's gonna end. Like we're gonna be stuck in this water for the rest of our lives, is paddling for nonstop. And we were paddling, I think it was about 30, 35, maybe even 40 minutes, nonstop paddling, and we we're getting close enough. Uh, to see my parents. And all, I remember looking at my parents on the shore, and they're frantic. They're running around. They're going like this. They had the, um, the what it was called, the, 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 some officer was there. The wild parks and wildlife officer was there. They were had like this. Everybody's going like this. They're freaking out. And we're, me and Sam, his name was Sammy. Me and Sammy were, I didn't, I didn't want to say his name. Don't, don't try to look up who it was. We were, we were going up against this water, we're hearing them, and we hear from a distance them yelling something at us. But we can't really hear, we're still paddling, and, and we're, right, we're in the middle, we're not, we're far away from the island now, but we're not close enough to the shore. Uh, but as we're getting closer, we hear them yelling, get out of the boat. Get out of the boat. And finally made it, you know, heard what they're trying to say. We hopped out of the kayak, and we're about waist-deep water this entire time. And we, I remember, so, and we were just so, we're like, oh, guys, let's just get there. And so we walked. took us about five minutes to walk the kayaks uh, back to shore. And here's even a crazy, crazy thing. Uh, shortly after that, getting to shore, we were, like, passed out. My parents were so upset at me, I couldn't even hear them. I was just like, my arms felt like noodles. We were like, I thought, you know, we're about to die. They were like, we're about to send helicopters out to y'all. Like, there it was like, it was a serious deal. Uh, but what crazy, what even crazier thing is, is five minutes later, after we got to shore, a huge barge, oil tank barge came through that same strip of water. And let me tell you this, if we got out of the boat and we kept on paddling, we'd be fish food, right? It reminded me of what the disciples were like, and sometimes what life can feel like, sometimes we can feel stuck in the middle, stuck in the in-between, stuck how we were in between an, an island or the shore, or sometimes we can feel stuck in between jobs or stuck in between relationships or stuck in between, uh, we're not quite there, but we're not quite there either. We're like, we're, we're stuck in the middle, we're, we're stuck in the, in the in-between, and we can feel like we are treading water, and we're not making any ground. And we're stuck in between. And here's the thing about the in-between is that the in-between is involuntary. Everybody is going to have times of their life when they are stuck in the middle. 
We are all going to be at times in our life where we are start or finishing something old and starting something new. And we're stuck in, in the middle and we're trying to make that transition and we're, we're trying to make that change. And we're, we're trying just to, to, to keep on floating until we get to the other side. It can feel like we're stuck in between, that we're stuck in the middle. But here's the important thing about being in between one place and the other, or one goal and, or, and the other, or one job to the other. The, the important thing about the in-between is this, is that the in-between, what you do in the in-between determines if you're going to reach your destination. Because if we would have, if, if Sam and I, if we would have just given up, we would have never made it to shore, Right? But it matters of what you do in the in-between. But here's a crazy thing about it. The world, people, everybody loves to celebrate when people get to the end. But nobody celebrates the in-between. Nobody celebrates you when you are in the middle of it. Right? Nobody congratulates you when you are in the middle. They only congratulate you when you get to the end. But it's in the in-between it's in the middle is when we feel the most insecure. It's in the, it's in, the in between is, is when we are battling whether or not we're going to make it or not. But it's in that moment, right? Nobody celebrates while you're in the middle of depression. Nobody celebrates you while you're in the middle of your addiction. Nobody celebrates you while you feel like you're in the in-between, you're in a battle, you're in a fight. But nobody's celebrating you because you're in the middle of it. And they wait until you are at the end, before they celebrate what you're doing. And that's why I think it is in the in-between is when we feel invisible. You ever been there? Like you're in the middle of something, but nobody sees what you're in the middle of. And you feel invisible. You feel insecure because you're not quite where you want to be. You're not quite where you're going. You're not quite at that destination. You're in the middle of it. You're in the thick of it. And you feel insecure about it because you think nobody even sees what I'm going through. But let me encourage you with this. You may be in between, but you are not incomplete. You may be in between, but you are not incomplete. Because the enemy will try to convince you that when you are in the middle, he'll try to convince you when you are in, in between things, that that is the place you'll be forever. And that you'll live a life incomplete. You'll live a life not quite making to the, it to the place where God wants you to be. But let me encourage you, you're not incomplete. God is not through with you yet, even when you're in the middle. Amen. Here's the type of God we serve. We serve a God, when people are overlooking you, we serve a God who wants to be right in the thick of it with you. When people are saying, hey, I'm not going to congratulate you until you get to the other side, we serve a God who says, I want to be with you in the storm. I want to be with you in the middle of it. I want to be with you in the thick of it. And that's the type of God we serve is that he's with us even in the in-between. But let's look back at the scripture that we read earlier. We're going to take it verse by verse and look at what Jesus was doing and the disciples were experiencing. But let's look back at verse 45 in Mark chapter 6. It says this. It says, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida. And while he sent, everybody say sent, 
while he sent the people home. And after telling, verse 46, after telling everyone goodbye, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Everybody say pray. If, the G, if Jesus, the creator of heaven and earth, if Jesus had to take time to pause everything and pray, how much more should that be a sign that we should take the time to pause everything and pray, right? Think about it like this. Jesus, he's in t yesterday, today, and tomorrow all at the same time. He is not held down by the chronology of time like we are. Like, he's not praying about, well, I wonder what tomorrow looks like. He knows what tomorrow looks like. But yet Jesus took the time to pray. That just shows me that if Jesus, who knew all things, who saw what tomorrow held, who knew how it was all going to work out, if even he knew with all that in mind that he needs to prioritize prayer in his life, that tells me that the most valuable thing we can do with our time is pray. That the most valuable thing that we can do with our time is pray. Sometimes we can get so caught up. Sometimes we can get so busy, sometimes we can get so, so much in our calendar that we forget that the most important thing you can be doing is praying right now. And I'm not saying that you need to take five hours a day and pray. Sometimes it just takes five minutes and pray. Sometimes it just takes that moment to say, look, I'm in the middle of something. I'm in a storm right now, but I'm going to press pause right now. I'm going to pray. I could let the stress overwhelm me and begin to say, I don't have time to pray because I got to get this done. I got to get that done. I got to do all these things. I don't, I don't have time to spend in prayer. Instead, do what Jesus did. He said, everybody, goodbye. Right? Get out of here. I need to take time to pray. I need to press pause on what's going on, and I need to pray. Sometimes the best way for us to find that rest is for us just to press pause and pray. Because that's the only, the only pray, place where true rest is found is in God's presence. The only place where true rest is found is God's presence. You, you can spend your whole day sleeping, but still wake up feeling stressed and worn out. You can still your, spend your whole day on the couch watching Netflix, and after you get off the couch, still have the same insecurities, anxiety, uh, depression that was there before. And not have that rest. But when you get into God's presence, when you're able to say, I'm pressing pause and everything, even if it's just for five minutes, and you, and you take that time to pray in God's presence, that's where rest is found. That's where peace is found. That's where you're able to find the confidence in God is found. And let me tell you. I've learned many times, there's, I, I've been worn out, and said, so, well, I need to maybe take a nap. But there's been times where, man, a nap's gonna, not going to fix this. Hey, sometimes a nap fixes it, all right? I'm a big believer in naps. But sometimes there's a time where I, I need to pray right now. I, I need to get in God's presence right now. Yeah, my, my body is, is, is going nonstop because of all the stress and because of all the things I have to do. I need to press pause I need to pray right now. And that's where true rest is found.
Turn, turn to your neighbor and say, take a prayer break. Take a prayer break. Verse 47, as we continue on. And it says, late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle. Everybody say middle. In the middle of the lake. And Jesus was alone on land. Verse 48. He saw. Everybody say he saw. He saw that they were in serious trouble. While Jesus was praying from the top of the mountain. I want you to get this picture, okay? While Jesus was praying from the top of the mountain, he sees his disciples stuck in a storm, in serious trouble. One of the lies that the enemy will try to convince you of, the enemy will try to convince you that when you are in the middle of something, in a storm, in, a, in, a, in some type of stressful situation, the enemy will try to convince you that Jesus doesn't see it. That Jesus doesn't know. That God doesn't even care about the mess that you are in. And he will try to convince you that you are not seen in the storm. The enemy will try to convince you that God doesn't care about what you're going through right now. He doesn't care about the storm that you're in the middle of. But let me say this. Jesus sees where you're at. Jesus sees where you're at. The same way he saw where the disciples were, he sees where you are right now. Jesus sees your storm. Jesus sees your situation. Jesus sees that, that, troubling, that troubling thing that's keeping you up at night. Jesus sees that right now. Jesus is aware of it. Jesus sees it. Jesus sees you even when you are in a breakup. Jesus sees you even when you lost your job. Jesus sees you even when you think that nobody else does. Jesus sees you. Even when you're saying, I don't feel seen, guess what? Jesus sees you. Even when the enemy tries to tell you that God doesn't know, God doesn't care, and God won't do anything about it, let me say, no, Jesus sees where you are at. He sees your storm. Jesus sees you even when you're in between or in the middle. That's point one for tonight is this, is we are seen. Everybody say seen. We are seen in our in-between. God sees where you're at. Don't let anybody tell you that you don't matter or that nobody sees you or nobody notices you. No, no, no. No, Jesus sees where you are at. We serve a God who sees where we are at. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He even knows you better than you do. You think you, you, you have problems? Jesus really knows your problems, all right? You think you know what's wrong? No, Jesus really sees what's wrong. You think you know the storm? No, Jesus is the, actually the one who really knows your storm. Jesus sees where you're at. And even though he sees our mess, who's thankful that we serve a God who still loves us in our mess? Who still loves us in our storm? Who doesn't just see us and say, you know what, I, I, I will help them once they get out of their mess. And he sees us and says, no, I want to be with them even while they're in their mess. We serve a God that sees us. And know that even if you aren't seen by people, I'm trying to help somebody, 
Even if you aren't seen by people, you're still seen by God. Even if you aren't seen by people, you are still seen by God. Because if you're not careful, you will gauge the, the ignorance of people as a sign that God is ignoring you. You'll be like, well, nobody sees me. Nobody notices me. Nobody sees where I'm at. So God must not see where I'm at. God must not know the storm I'm in. God must not know the trouble I'm in. No, don't, don't let the enemy twist that God sees where you're at. Even when people don't see, God sees where you're at. Even if you're not seen by people, you're still seen by God. Because I've heard, I've heard this so many times. Someone would come up to me and say, Pastor Caleb, I, I feel so underappreciated and so overlooked. I'm going through all these struggles and nobody knows. You know, it's the first thing I, I asked them. I said, well, have you told anybody? You will be surprised. 90% of the time they're like, well, no, I haven't told anybody. Why, why would I tell anybody I'm going through something? I'm like, okay, look, I'm glad well, I take it as maybe a compliment that you think I can read people's minds. But we can't. If you're going through something, tell somebody. Amen? If you're going through something, let that's what the church is here for. Not for us to, to struggle in silence, but for us to go through this together. Amen? So if you feel like you're not being seen, that's what the church is for. That's what the elders are for, the prayer team, the pastors, what we're doing. That's what people on your left and your right are for. Let them know. I'm telling you, if you let people the right motives know, they're going to help you out. But let me tell you this, and this is the mindset we have to have. Even if nobody sees us, even if the only recognition we get is from God, that's enough for me. Amen. Even if the only pat on the back I get is from God, man, that's enough for me. I don't need anybody else to have to appreciate me for me to feel appreciated by God. If I, if I only get the good, thank you, my good and faithful servant from God, that's all I need, right? I don't need anybody else. I don't need the opinion of man because we have to let go of having the, we have to let go of us feeling to have the requirements of people's opinions. The need to be seen by people. We have to let go of the need to be seen by people. Because if you rely on somebody's, on people's appreciation of you to steer you and lead you to the destination God wants you, you're not going to get there. If you're relying on people's opinions to gauge whether or not you're doing what is right, let me tell you, they're going to steer you in the wrong direction. They're going to take you to Bird Island, all right? And take what feels like a party, but it's not. It's a smelly island. You can't allow people's opinions be what gauges you on what God's will is for your life. But if you just say this, you have this mindset, say, okay, look, it doesn't matter what people say. I'm not looking for people's opinions. I'm not trying to base my life on what the world says about me. I'm basing my life on what God says about me, on what his word says about me. I'm going to let his word give me direction, not people give me direction. Now, I believe in wise counsel, but the key word is wise counsel. That's the key word. We have 
to listen to the voice of God. Amen. If you believe that, give him a hand clap of praise tonight. We continue. Let's continue at verse 48. And it says, they're rowing hard. They're rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves. Man, the disciples are feeling like me and Sammy. Rowing hard against the wind. But about 3 o'clock, everybody say 3 o'clock. About 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on the water. 3 o'clock in the morning. Let's do some math real quick. So remember, they just got done out of the miracle of feeding the 5,000. And if you just kind of gauge that time of when dinner time was, it'll be around, right, 6 p.m. when they finish. And then Jesus told the disciples, okay, well, now go across to the Sea of Galilee. And it takes about two hours across the Sea of Galilee. So if we gauge that time, right now when they were caught in the middle of the storm, it would be about 7 p.m. And so the scripture says that Jesus saw them at the top of the mountain, at around, right, gaugingly around 7 p.m., but he didn't go down to them in the middle storm, of the middle of the storm until 3 a.m. That's an eight-hour difference. That's a work day. You ever feel like God doesn't see you on your work day? Come on. Eight hours later, Jesus saw them praying from the mountain in the storm, but it wasn't until eight hours later, 3 a.m. in the morning. Like, I believe scripture put that for a reason. It was until 3 a.m. in the morning did Jesus go down and enter the storm. Would you, ask, you could ask the question, well, Jesus, why, why, why would you wait that? Why, why won't you intervene before the storm? You ever ask God that? God, why don't you just remove the problems before they get here? That would be nice. Right, God, why, 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 why don't you intervene before the in-between? Let, let me just get, let, let there be no process or middle. I just want to get where I'm going now, right? I, I, I don't, I don't want to go, well, God, why didn't you intervene before the storm or before the struggle? Because I believe this. I believe that sometimes it takes a storm to stir up our faith. Sometimes it takes a storm to stir up our faith. Because if Jesus would have just showed up before the storm, there would have been no need for a miracle, right? If Jesus would have showed up before the storm, the disciples would be like, what are you doing here, Jesus? You know, everything's going good. If Jesus would have showed up before the storm took in place, there would have been no need for a miracle. But Jesus didn't tell us that we wouldn't go through storms Jesus promised us this, that we wouldn't go through storms alone. Jesus didn't say that we wouldn't have problems. Jesus said this, we will still go through things, but now we have a solution to those problems. Now we're not in a storm alone, but we are now going through the storm, but we have our Savior with us through the storm, helping us along the way. But once you have been through a storm, because imagine, it's mad to the disciples, I mean, it's still early in, in ministry. Yeah, they saw Jesus feed the 5,000, but, I mean, come on. That's kind of cool. But watching somebody calm the weather, the waves, the, it must have been a hurricane in an instant, man, that would make your jaw drop, right? That made your faith spike up, right? That made you say, okay, and that's what they said. It says in Scripture that they were in all of him. 
It doesn't say that about the disciples when they saw him feed the 5,000. But it was after they saw him calm the storm that they were in awe of Jesus. Whenever you see, whenever you've been through something, whenever you've been through a storm and you witness Jesus in a way that only he can get you through it, it does something to your faith. It does something to your faith where next time when a storm comes around, you're not trying to abandon ship because you know you have a Savior on your side that can get you through the storm. It does something to your faith. Around that same time when we were on the kayaks, when I was 16 years old, I was rushed to emergency surgery. I remember the doctors putting me on the operating table. The doctor looked at me in the eyes and said, there is a 50-50 chance that you could die on this operating table. But God got me through that moment, and God led me through that storm. And after that, you better believe I had a stirred up faith, and I wasn't, I, I wasn't down and got much after that. When Haley and I were first getting married, and you know, we were newlyweds, and we had about enough money to afford Taco Bell, and we were budgeting. We had a lot of Mexican food. I love Mexican food, but it was because it was it ain't expensive, right? And we were budgeting, but we were believing for a home, and we were believing that God would make a way, and we took a step. We felt, felt peace about it, and we looked at all the things that were going on, and, and although it didn't look likely, we said, you know what, we're going to take a, a step of faith, and then we saw a house that fit perfectly in our, in our, our price range. Like, if it was like a dollar more, it would have been outside of our price range, that kind of home. It fit perfectly in our price range. We put, we put down our, our bid for it. It was just what they were asking, right? Because we couldn't go anymore. It was what they were asking for. Later that day, over 20 different people put in a price for that home. It was when the real estate market was crazy. I'm sure you remember those days. I mean, it was like a house would be gone in a day. 20 different people put their, their, their price down for the house and said, I remember looking at Haley, I said, well, you know, unless they were all cheap steaks like us, I don't know if we're going to get this house. But if out of all those people, for some reason, they selected us to receive that house. God cleared out all the closing costs for it somehow, and it built up our faith that we're saying, you know what, we serve a God that provides. And the next time something came our way, we weren't afraid because we had stirred up faith. Because if God can do it once, he can do it again. I remember a few years ago here in this church when COVID-19 was taking over uh, everything and we had to go online and everything uh, was so uncertain. The building was closed. I remember as staff, we were like, we don't really know what's going on. And, and instead of us taking a step back and saying, hey, you know what, we're going to reserve our resources. We're not going to do much outreach or we're not going to try to go out and make a difference. Instead, we say, you know what, we trust God. We're going to make a step. We're going to do outreach. We're going to help people. We're not going to be afraid of the season that we are in. And during that time over the next year, God tripled the amount of people who are part of Riverside Church. And that's, I'm telling you, that stirred up our faith because you say, no, God really can do it all. We really serve a God who can do it all. And that's what the in-between does. That's point two for tonight is that the in-between increases, everybody say increases, increases our faith. I think they had the wrong point, but that's okay. God bless them. The in-between increases, everybody say increases, increases 
our faith. When God saves you from the storm in the only way that he can, when God brings you out of a season by the only way he can, it does something to your faith. It does something to our faith. It makes it to where the next time we're in the middle of the storm, we're not going to give up. We're not going to give in. We're not going to say, oh, well, you know what? There's a problem in my life. God can't do it, so I'm going to give up. No. When God has shown up and shown out how much he can do and how his name really is above every other name, you're going to have faith to keep on going through because you know what type of God you serve. Because that is what, what the goal of the enemy really is. The goal of the enemy is to convince us to quit when we're in between. To convince us to quit when we're in the middle. To convince us to quit when we are in the middle of a struggle, in the middle of a battle against whatever, addiction or anxiety, whatever it is. The enemy's goal is to quit us while we, for us to quit while we are in the middle. Because let me tell you this, he can't stop us. The enemy can't stop us. As much as credit we try to give him, he really can't stop you. You know, sometimes we, you hear people all the time saying, well, I would do more, but the enemy is stopping me today. So look, bud, I hate to break it to you, but he, he don't got that much power over you. He really can't stop you, but he can try to convince you to give up. The enemy can try to convince you, say, you, you know, you've been trying to start this business for a while, but you're in between. It's not really working out. Give up. Put your hands up. Give up. Or, you know, you're, you're trying to work on your marriage, and it, and it seems like you're in the middle of it, and there's no way you're going to get the, to the place you want to be. Just give up. Just give up. Put your hands up. Give up. Because that's all he can do. He can't stop us, but he'll try to convince us to give up. That is why it's so important for us for when we're in a storm, it's so important for us just to cling to our Savior. Sometimes we're in a storm. I don't know about you. I'm a problem solver. I'm sure we've got a lot of problem solvers in here. When I'm in a storm, I'm like, okay, what can I do to fix this now? And I start problem solving, doing all these different things. But sometimes it's going to be like, look, sometimes the best words you can say is, God, I can't do this on my own. Sometimes the most powerful thing you can say is say, God, my plan sucks. <laughs> you know, sometimes that's the best thing you can see is say, God, I really don't know what to do right now. And it's clean on to your Savior in the storm. Say, so God, I, I, I pull you closer. I, I pull you closer to me. I'm not trying to look to the left or the right. I got, I'm pulling you closer to me. Because Jesus... Jesus didn't send that storm. God, you're sending it. No, Jesus doesn't send the storm, but Jesus can save you from the storm. Jesus doesn't send the trial, but Jesus can save you from that trial. Jesus didn't send that problem your way, but you better believe that all things can work for good for those who trust him and love him or call to his riches and glory. Amen? Jesus didn't send that storm. Don't be caught up in that mindset where everything, anything bad happens. It's because God is mad at you. No, Jesus doesn't send the storm. But you better believe Jesus can save you from that storm. Jesus can save us from that storm. He can save us even when we're in the middle of it. 
He can save us even when we're in that in-between. Come on, if you know we serve a God who can save us in a storm, give him a shout of praise. We're almost done. We're almost done. As we continue in verse 48, it says this. It says, he intended to go past. Everybody say past. And remember, Jesus is walking on the water right now, okay? There's a storm going on. He's walking on the water. He intended to go past him, but then they saw him. Jesus intended to go past him, but then the disciples saw them. Jesus intended to walk past him while the storm was going on, but then the disciples saw him walking on the water, and that's when they cried out, thinking he was a ghost. Jesus was walking past him. But the disciples didn't see him until they looked, instead of looking at the storm, they started looking for a Savior. Jesus was walking past them, but the disciples were so focused on the storm that they almost missed it. Don't miss out on the Savior for the sake of the storm. Don't miss out on the Savior for the sake of the problem that you're in. Here's what happens when we find ourselves in a trial. Have this ever happened to you? It's happened to me more than once. happened to me even this week. So there's a problem going on, and that's all you can think about. There's a problem going on, and you're trying to sleep at night, but you're thinking about that problem, right? There's a problem going on, and you're trying to enjoy your day in the back of your mind. Like, how is this going to help? How is this, how is this going to work out? How, how is God going to help me in this area? And if you're not careful, you'll be so focused on the storm that you will miss out on the Savior. See, Jesus notices us, but do we notice him? Jesus notices us, but do we notice him? Because Jesus was intending to walk past him on the water, and that, that brings up a question in your mind. Was that moment the first time he, he passed him by? Or was that the first time that they saw him? Was that the first time Jesus was, was near, or was that the first time they noticed him that he was near? Because I can see the disciples, I can see Peter right now, so focused on rowing and getting through the storm, and Jesus is just right over there, and he's like, right, focusing on the storm, trying to row away. When we are in the in-between, we can get so caught up in our situation that we don't even bother to look up for our Savior. We can get so caught up in our problems and in what's going on that we don't even, we don't even have the, the intentionality to look up and try to see Jesus in the situation you are in. Because what if Jesus has been here the whole time, but we haven't even looked up to see him? 
What if Jesus, what, what, what if you feel like in the, in the place you're in life right now, you feel stuck, you feel like nobody sees you? What if Jesus is right by you? But you're so focused on the storm that you don't even see the Savior trying to calm whatever you're in. We have to have that intentionality in our life to say, wherever I'm at, whatever I'm doing, that doesn't matter the storm I'm in. I'm looking for where Jesus is in this situation. Before I start to try to problem solve and before I try to look for people to help or for the world to help or try to say I'm going through anxiety, so I'm going to look up a podcast and how to help with anxiety instead of looking for all the other things. I want to look up and see where Jesus is at in this situation. I don't want to be so focused on the storm that I'm in that I miss out on the Savior who can calm the storm I'm battling. Don't get so caught up in the day-to-day that we forget to put Jesus in the middle of our day. Has that ever happened to you? You're going a million miles per hour, and you forgot to even ask Jesus of what his opinion is on what you're doing. Or forget to put him at the foremost of what you're doing. Don't forget to put Jesus in the middle of your day. Because I don't know about you, but I need Jesus in every detail. I need Jesus in in every moment. I need Jesus in every storm. I need Jesus in every in-between that I'm in. I need Jesus in it all. In every situation I'm in, the answer is not less of Jesus, it's more of Jesus. In every problem I'm in, the, the answer isn't how can I figure this out. Is hey, Jesus, I need you with me because I can't do this on my own. And in every place that I'm in, in every detail of my day, I need Jesus to be in the middle of it. Amen? I need Jesus to be a part of it. I need Jesus to be there because I don't want to be like the disciples stuck in a storm and missing out on the Savior. Stuck in my problems but not looking for the promise maker. And overlooking what God is trying to do in my life. Amen. Worship team, you can join me. We're almost done. Verse 50. It says they were all terrified. Everybody say terrified. They were all terrified when they saw him. Can you imagine that? Seeing Jesus in the middle of your storm and being terrified. But sometimes you can be really confused when you're in a storm. If you're not careful, you you can misunderstand what's really going on because you're so caught up in everything around you. It says they were terrified of him, but then Jesus spoke. They were terrified of Jesus when they saw him. But then Jesus spoke to them. And he said, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. I think really what brought calmness to the disciples wasn't really when the storm stopped, but it was when Jesus spoke. They were terrified. They thought he was a ghost. But then Jesus spoke. And at that moment, they might have been in a storm, but then they knew that Jesus was with them. That's the type of peace that God offers us. 
So even when we're in the storm, we can still have peace. Even when we're in the middle of a problem that looks like there is no end, even when we're in that place, we can still have peace. Even when we feel like we're held down and and stuck in a situation we never imagined, we can still be comforted by the Holy Spirit. And as soon as Jesus stopped, stepped into the boat, verse 51, says, then he climbed into the boat and the wind stopped. And they were totally amazed. What was taking the disciples hours to fight at this point could have been eight hours of them fighting nonstop the storm. What was taking them hours and time to do, Jesus fixed just like that. So what I want to encourage you. There's people, you're saying, well, Pastor CJ, I hear what you're saying, but I've been in the middle for years. I feel like I've been stuck in between for so long that now I'm used to this being in the middle of a problem. Jesus can still fix it just like that. Immediately. As soon as he enters our situation, things change. As soon as Jesus enters the equations, things change. And soon as God, as soon as you allow him in your boat, things change. As soon as you say, God, I've been trying to do this on my own, but I, I can't do it. And you bring him into your situation, that situation, it has to change. Anytime you bring Jesus into the equation, it changes the equation. Anytime you bring Jesus into whatever problem you have and whatever struggle you are dealing with and whatever battle you are in, as soon as you bring Jesus in, things change. As soon as you bring Jesus in, things can't stay the same. You might find yourself in a storm. But the key is just to bring Jesus in anyways. And it was in the middle of the storm is where Jesus did the miracle. Jesus didn't perform the miracle from the mountaintop. And he could have said, because he could have if he wanted to, he could have said from the mountaintop, peace be still and that storm would have stopped. But he went in the middle of the storm with his disciples with the people, and he got into the boat with them. And that's where the miracle took place. He, 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 got, in the, he got in the in-between with his disciples, and that's where the impossible took place. He, he got into that moment where there was a mess, where there was a storm, and he didn't try to fix it from a distance. Jesus didn't say, hey, I'm not going anywhere near the storm with you. I'm going to snap my fingers from the mountaintop. Jesus went in the middle of the storm with us. He went in the middle of the storm with them. And that's where the miracle took place. He went in the in-between. And that's where the miracle took place. That's point three for tonight. So in the in-between is where Jesus does the impossible. In the in-between is where Jesus does the impossible. Everybody say impossible. 
Did you know Jesus can't work a miracle if there's no need for a miracle? Did you know that? Because I talk to people all the time, like, I'm looking for a miracle. I'm like, you better be careful. Because if, if you're looking for a miracle, there first has to be a mess, right? If you're looking for a breakthrough, there first has to be something that needs to be broken. It's in the in-between. It's in the mess. It's where we can't see no end. It's where we can't find it out on our own. It's where we're stuck in the struggle. It's where we're at our lowest of lows. It's where the mess seems so surmountable. It seems it's, it's in the problems that we can't solve. It's in that moment where the miracle takes place. It's in the in-between where it takes place. It's in the battle where it takes place. So if you find yourself in the in-between tonight, that's what I want to encourage you with. If you find yourself in the middle of something, you better get ready because God's about to do a miracle in your life. If you find yourself in a problem that you can't solve, you better get ready because God's about to do something so awesome in your life that you're going to say, it wasn't me. I didn't get myself out of this storm. I didn't get myself out of this problem. I didn't get myself out of this. Jesus got me out of this storm. Jesus calmed this, this storm. Jesus is one who provided a miracle. Come on, if you agree with that, stand to your feet. I want to close with a psalm. I want to close with Psalm 3. In Psalm 3, David is in a storm. David is in a battle. If there's anybody who knows what it means to be in a messy place in life, it's David. Read about his life. He, was, he, was, he had a habit of getting in a mess. But in Psalms chapter 3, David is in the middle of a storm. He's running away from his son Absalom, who's trying to hunt him down and kill him. But in Psalms 3, while he is in the middle of the storm, this is what David wrote. He said, oh Lord, I have so many enemies. So many are against me. So many are saying God will never rescue him. But you, everybody say, but God. But you, oh Lord, are a shield around me. You are my glory, the one who holds my head high. I cried out to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy mountain. I lie down and slept, yet I woke up in safety, for the Lord was, was watching over me. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. Everybody say, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of 10,000 enemies who surround me on every side. Arise, O Lord, rescue me. Everybody say, rescue me. Sometimes the greatest thing you can say is say, rescue me, God. Save me, Lord. Help me, Jesus. I can't do this on my own. Rescue me. Before God can save you, you first have to say, rescue me, God. Before God can step in, you got to welcome him in the boat and say, rescue me, Lord. Rescue me. Then he says, slap all my enemies in the face. Everybody say, hallelujah. Amen. Sometimes that's all I want to do is, I'm not going to say anything. He says, slap all my enemies in the face. If you ever have that thought to do it, just know, hey, God's going to do it for you. You don't got to worry about it. He says, slap all my enemies in the face. Shatter the teeth of the wicked. For victory comes from you, O Lord, and may you bless your people. Come on, give Jesus a shout of praise.
This is the thought I want to leave y'all with. If you make Jesus your Savior, He's never going to leave you stranded. If you make Jesus your Savior, He will never leave you stranded. Now, if you make people your Savior, if you make money your Savior, if you make politics your Savior, I hate to tell you, they're going to leave you stranded. But if you make Jesus your Savior, say, Jesus, rescue me. Jesus, I'm looking for you. He's never going to leave you stranded. Amen? Can we believe that? Give Jesus a shout of praise. Our Savior praise. Come on, let's pray right now. Father, we welcome in your Holy Spirit into this place. God, if there's a storm we're dealing with, God, if there's a trouble we're in the middle of, God, we don't look to the left or to the right, but Father, we look to you right now. God, we lift up our hands and we say, rescue me. We lift up our hands and say, Jesus, I need you. We lift up our hands and say, God, we can't do this on our own, but we need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. Come on, can we sing some songs? Begin to sing it out. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.